This is From Chaos to Peace with Connie, episode number 18, How Dreams Can Help You Declutter. Welcome back, everyone. How are you doing? This is episode number 18 of the From Chaos to Peace podcast, where you learn how a few minutes a day can keep the chaos away. Thank you so much for allowing me again in your ears. So in today's episode, I'm talking with Mimi Pettibone. She calls herself a dream detective. And we're talking about how dreams can help you declutter. <laughs> Would you have thought that? I sure didn't. But I'm very excited to welcome Mimi to the podcast. And I hope you enjoy our conversation because I sure did. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into this exciting conversation. Welcome, Mimi, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you have a guest. Thank you so much for having me, Connie. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for the topic. When I heard what you're doing, I'm like, I have to have you on the podcast. <laughs> and, and then it turns out that even though we don't know each other, we have something in common. You told me that you're part Swiss. I am. My mother is directly from Switzerland. Wow. <laughs> that, that connects us already. So this is awesome. So nothing can go wrong. Awesome topic. And we're connected <laughs> through Switzerland. And our genetic preference for chocolate and cheese. <laughs> yes, uh, I can attest to that. <laughs> So on your website, you're saying that you're passionate about helping people listening to their inner guidance and to live a life filled with purpose, meaning, and love. And so how can we do this with dreams? Because you say you are a dream detective. So I want to know more about that. Yes. Well, I call it, my website is The Dream Detective, which I, I just like the name, but it really is like detective work trying to understand a dream and we can get more into that but your question was about listening to inner guidance and i think that dreams are one of the most authentic forms of inner guidance that we have i mean we have our waking life intuition and different forms of guidance and those obviously are very accurate as well but there's something about dreams that just really i find them so fascinating because they're so creative. They're endlessly creative in their storytelling, their problem solving, and their access to spiritual information, our higher self wisdom, being able to see things from another perspective, and also being able to tap into another level of consciousness. I mean, actual scientific studies have found that dreams are the number one place where any kind of psychic information comes in. So, I feel like it's the same part of the brain that intuition happens. So when we're dreaming, the rational, logical function of the thinking mind is shut down. It's just kind of offline. And so that is the part of our thinking or consciousness that tends to second guess our intuitive information that we get and so when that's shut off we're just pure receivers of true guidance and being able to see things from a perspective that we can't always see with our human ego self so to speak and i don't mean ego like being full of ourselves but more the ego that a lot of the spiritual teachers talk about which another way i like to put it is our human self and our, our higher self. So our human self would be the part that's really caught up in, you know, we're always thinking about the past or thinking about the future. We're really caught up in maybe material things or how am I going to look to other people or I'm right and they're wrong. And then our higher self can really see things from another perspective that's more neutral and I want to say more honest in a way, and can also give us insights into how we can mm, perceive relationship imbalances. Now, if you call your friend up and you say, oh, this guy wronged me and here's what happened, your friend is probably going to say, yeah, he's a jerk. Let's, you know, talk bad about him and say how great you are. 
well, that makes you feel good on the ego level. But what if there's something we have a blind spot about that is causing or contributing to this relationship imbalance? Our dreams will show us that imbalance from that neutral perspective in a way that can help us work through our own blocks and limitations as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so I want to, that, that gets me to a question. So I heard once somebody say that we're always dreaming, even if we think we're awake. So everything is a dream. What do you say to that? <laughs> well, you know, that's one of those things that's very subjective. And some people say, well, which is the quote, real reality? Maybe our dreams are the real reality and our waking life is the dream. Well, who knows? Yeah. And to answer whether we're always dreaming, I would say if I define dreaming as the intuitive, nonlinear, creative mind at work, then yes, it's always running. And, you know, during the sleep stage, when we're asleep, there are different phases and stages of sleep. We go through about 90 minute cycles where about every 90 minutes we have an REM dream. Those are the interesting stories with metaphors and the oh my gosh you guys I had the strangest dream last night kind of thing and in between that we go through different layers of sleep and so it's about a 90 minute circadian rhythm cycle that we go through where we reach different levels of brainwave states and that is actually happening while we're awake too so some say that even when we're awake every 90 minutes or so, we're going to be more prone to go into kind of a daydream-like state and access that more nonlinear kind of thinking. Now, I've never tried to track this in myself, but I have heard of this and, and I think it's pretty true. It has some truth to it. Wow. I didn't hear that part yet, but that sounds really interesting. I'm sure we're going to, or science will figure mo out more about that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> every 90 minutes okay yeah. well and the body has there's a really great book called the body clock i read it years ago because the body has many different layers of circadian rhythms you know we know okay i'm used to going to sleep at this time and waking up at this time and i get hungry at this time of day so there, that right there are two different layers of circadian rhythm but there's many many different layers and that's why jet lag can affect us so negatively because it's messing up not just our sleep but our hunger cycle and all different kinds of the rhythms that happen in our body naturally oh yeah i know all about jet lags <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i'll bet yeah yeah, I just came back from Switzerland in March, early actually, because of the coronavirus. I had to kind of reschedule my flight and hurry back. <laughs> and um, oh. yeah, every time I come back, um, my my internal clock is all messed up. That's that's for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. So what really interests me too is like, how did you become interested in dreams what, what what did happen were you always interested or was there a special event in your life that made you uh, being so interested in it because it's not a, an everyday um, occupation or profession no to analyze and uh, interpret dreams <laughs> i always seem to pick interests that are a little bit on the fringe <laughs> but yes it it has been ever since i was little I just always felt a fascination for what are these stories that are happening in my mind at night? What, what are they trying to say? Because I, like a lot of people, I had a very strong intuitive sense that they must mean something, but I had no idea how to figure out what. And I also had a lot of precognitive dreams. And, you know, when I was growing up, nobody talked about that kind of stuff and I didn't have information to learn about that. So I just would kind of go, hmm, wow, that was interesting. And then when I was in college, of course, I was the roommate always saying, you guys, I had this dream last night. Let me tell you about it. And I would recall in vivid detail at length, these long stories. And, you know, some people would be like, you should write movies out of your dream. <laughs> and other people would be like, there goes Mimi telling a dream again. And so one of my friends worked for the counseling center at the school and she said, Hey Mimi, 
they're, they have a dream group they offer as an extracurricular activity. And I was like, what? What? what, what is that? I have to go. What is it? And I went and a dream group is something, a concept that was conceived in, I think it was the 1970s by a dream worker named Montag Ullman, very famous in the dream world. And basically there's a sort of a certain standard of guidelines for how you run a dream group. But in a nutshell, one person shares a dream and everyone else take turn, takes turns adopting the dream as if it were their own and projecting their own meaning. So nobody's claiming to be an expert. Nobody's saying, here's what it means, because I know. But everybody's saying, well, you know, if it were my dream, I would feel like that little dog is a little vulnerable part of myself. Or someone else might say, if it were my dream, I don't like dogs. So that dog would be something that annoys me. And then the dreamer gets to listen to them all and take what they like and leave the rest. And through that process, interestingly enough, it's not only the dreamer that benefits, but all of the group members end up taking away something for themselves because we're all humans living this human experience. And through hearing everybody else's perceptions, we are able to shift our own perceptions on some of our own situations. And it's just a really amazing experience. And I actually host an online dream group through Facebook. And if it's okay to mention, I People can join that through one of the layers of my Patreon membership page, mm -hmm. but it's really fun to be part of a community like that where you can get some insights and nobody has to be a trained expert. Now that said, I do have a, a lot of training and skills and I use my intuition when I am working with clients with dreams. So mm -hmm. that's sort of, and I just want to maybe add this to the mix is <laughs> maybe going on a tangent, but I feel like it's relevant stay away from dream dictionaries. 90% <laughs> of the dream books out there are dictionaries. I have no idea why or how that, you know, came to be at this point in history. But if you dream about a dog and you look it up in a dream dictionary and it says, oh, a dog means loyalty, but the dog in your dream was attacking you, Mm -hmm. It's probably not a symbol for loyalty. <laughs> probably so, not. And, right. and, I, and I can attest to that because I had a weird dream while I was in Switzerland. And so I don't have a dream lexicon or anything, or, but I Googled it and I had so many different, <laughs> different <laughs> opinions on the internet that I was more confused afterwards than I was before. So Yes, exactly. And, you know, the only way it can be good is if you read something and in your body you go, oh, okay, that fits. Mm -hmm. You have to let your body and your consciousness, your inner guidance be the guide for what the true meaning is. Because even the same person could dream about dogs in different nights, in different dreams, and a dog could mean something different. Now, a lot of times we do evolve our own personal symbolism and that can evolve as we evolve. But, you know, I just like to throw it out there. There are some universal dream themes that often have a certain meaning, but it's very, very, very important to always check with the dreamer what resonates for them. Yes, of course. So, um, talking about this so this podcast is of course about decluttering and organizing and um you said something interesting when we met online that um we can actually um listen to our dreams and then know afterwards how or what to declutter or it could help us declutter and getting organized because the what i understand was always like sleeping helps the brain to declutter from the the chaos of the day and of the thoughts, but you go even one step further and you say, yeah, you can actually use it also to help create order or, or um, organization in, in my, my day-to-day -day life. Right. Well, I think just to kind of recap what you said, I do believe that our dreams are our own mind decluttering itself mm -hmm. <laughs> because we go through the day and there's a lot of things maybe we can't express or too much is going on and we can't process. And when we're dreaming, we have to shut down the entire connection to the outside world. And well, some things can like sounds can make it into our dreams, of course, but but we're really working from that internal level. And it's like, I think of it like a disc defrag for your computer. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> but your, your dreams are helping you sort out problems and sort of organize things in our own minds. And there is another layer we can add to that, which is called dream incubation. And that is the idea that when we go to sleep at night, we can ask our dreams a question and then we might literally wake up with a clear answer or we may remember a dream that we might need to work with a little to understand its meaning and even if we work with it if we don't understand it we can ask for a clarifying dream on the subject but i think the biggest part is you know whatever you think about before you go to sleep at night is going to influence the content of your dreams as well as the quality of your day the next day. So mm-hmm. you know, if you've ever gone to bed angry about something or with someone and then you start having unpleasant dreams and then you feel kind of crappy the next day. <laughs> and it's not to say don't think about anything negative because there's something called spiritual bypassing, which means we're just saying tra-la-la, everything's great when it's really not. And that's not okay either because we have to acknowledge the things that aren't working in life and process them and deal with them in order to get to a better place. And that's one thing I think dreams really help us do. So if you wanted to, you know, let's say your place is a mess or your computer's a mess or whatever, and you're just thinking, I don't even know where to start. How do I do this? Then before you go to sleep at night, think of a question And ideally, you want an open-ended question. You don't want a yes or no, because your dreams are not going to say yes or no. They're going to show you a much more complex story, because yes or no really pigeonholes the possible answers to two things. It's either black or it's white, when really there's every color of the rainbow out there. So yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yes or no doesn't leave room for potential solutions that might be even better than what our little conscious human mind is coming up with. So an open-ended question that starts with something like, how can I, or show me some insights about, or I need some ideas for. So we could say, you know, uh, dreams show me, how can I start decluttering? What's the first step? And then you might be surprised because it might not be a literal dream. It might be literal, like start with your filing cabinet, you know? <laughs> but, but it might also be a little more deep than that or a little more complex that will show you really kind of what might be going on behind why it's so hard for me to get started with this or something like that. Now, every case is going to be unique, of course, but those are just some examples. Yeah, I I can totally see that because when I went, so I have formal training in and helping people to declutter and it goes so much deeper. So I, I usually ask a lot of questions that um, might surprise them, but what that do have a a connection to their clutter situation or to their clutter problem. So I can see how their own subconscious could have an answer to that, which would show up in a dream. Uh, I actually have to try that out for myself, not necessarily with cluttering, but asking my, my dreams something. But so far, I always felt like my dreams were more confusing than anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where that whole dream detective part comes in and and working with somebody like I do sessions over phone and online and, um, having somebody to help you kind of just look at things more metaphorically because we tend with our human mind to take things very literally. And that's why we get confused. But yeah. if we start looking at things symbolically as, and metaphors. And then if you like, if you dreamed about a frog, I'd say, well, could you describe that frog to me? Then I would reflect back that description to you. And I would say, does this description, and I would say the actual words you said, because there's something very powerful about hearing your own exact words. And then you might say, oh my gosh, that sounds like my my boss or my partner or my landlord or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where kind of either having somebody to work with or becoming part of a group, a dream group. Or just really starting to look at metaphors. Like I find writers often take to dream work very well because they're used to thinking in metaphors. 
Yeah. Or I saw you also, um, I think, created some oracle cards or tarot cards. And I think there you, we, we also learned to be, look more into symbols and what it means, not necessarily take everything so literal, no? Absolutely. Yes. I have a little deck called the Enchanted Art Oracle. And so there's nothing spooky or, you know, uh, weird about them. I think some people probably not people that are listening to this, but you never know. But some people think they're kind of a weird um, negative spiritual thing, but that's not it at all. In fact, they're a tool for self-help and personal growth. And I have a background in a lot of everything from social psychology to spiritual psychology. And a lot of the, most of the sayings on the cards, they're little positive inspirational messages. And a lot of them come from my training and they're things that have helped me personally to get through some of the blocks. Like, I think we were talking about perfectionism before this started or, you know, not worrying about getting everything exactly perfect and just doing it. Mm -hmm. And so in this social psychology that I'm trained in, there's a, what they call a driver, which are the things that drive our personality. And one of them is be perfect. And so the antidote to that is be good enough or be excellent. And so one of the card messages is it's okay to get let, it's okay to let go of perfection. It's good enough. And so are you. And then I use beautiful vintage artwork to go with it. And I think my philosophy is that the artwork, when you look at a beautiful piece of art, it's really putting you more into that, the right brain, the nonlinear subconscious intuitive part of the brain where dreaming happens. It shifts your, your consciousness into that state. And then you can take in the words with your left brain, but it then kind of integrate them together. And yes, I feel like that, that's sort of the purpose of those cards. For contemplation. Yeah. yeah. So that gets me to the next question because you were just talking about left brain and right brain and linear and less linear. And I was just wondering, is is there a difference between how men dream and how women dream? Actually, there are. At least when I was studying some time ago, there had been some findings that men tended to dream about work more and women tended to dream about relationships more. Now, some people might think that sounds sexist, but to me, it's a beautiful insight into just the sheer difference between the male and the female brain. I also know from some of my studies that there is a bridge that connects the left and right hemisphere. And that bridge is called the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. And it's, typically bigger in women than in men. And so the left brain is the thinking brain and the right brain is the feeling brain. So that's why women can think and feel at the same time and we can multitask, right? You can have an ironing board and a baby and something on the stove. And, you know, throughout history, at least that's been a classic scenario that a woman has to yeah. multitask. Yeah. And women are typically, this is not sexist. This is just a, a, an actual thing. There's lots of scientific books out there about this. But so women tend to be better at multitasking because of that bridge being larger and men tend to be better at focus. Like you could put a man at a desk and say, focus on this task. And the whole room, including the desk, is just a disaster around him. And he can focus on that task. Whereas the woman's going to be like, I can't think straight. I need to organize this room. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. hey, there's where it might play into organization as well. Um, but there are some men that have a larger corpus callosum. And they say that biologically gay men and left-handed men tend to also have a larger corpus callosum. So to me, that also makes sense why so many women love having a gay man as a best friend, because he can think and feel just like her. Whereas when she's talking to her husband or boyfriend or boss, she's, she's, you know, bringing to the table thoughts and feelings, and he can only address the thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Or yeah. the feelings, but not both at the same time. These are maybe a little bit generalized, but, you know, I think we can all maybe resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so why do I sometimes remember my dream really well? And sometimes I think like I haven't dreamed at all, <laughs> even though question. I know that sci science says we always dream, but sometimes we remember, sometimes we don't remember whatsoever. Right. Yes, we all dream every night unless you has someone has had some kind of brain injury or tumor or something 
very extreme. There are very few cases where some people literally just do not dream, but the majority of us do. Now, the key is where one of the keys, there's a couple things that contribute to this. Where in the sleep cycle are we waking up? They've done sleep studies. So, you know, REM, that rapid eye movement is when we're having those story-like dreams. And in a sleep lab, if you watch somebody and they are having an REM dream and you wake them up, they are over 90% likely to remember a dream. But if you wake them up in the other stages of sleep between that REM dream cycle, they're probably not going to remember a dream. So part of it could be just where in the sleep cycle are you waking up? Okay. Another factor is, are you waking up to an alarm? Because when we're dreaming, we're in what's called the alpha brainwave state predominantly. We, we always have all the brainwaves going on at all the time, but it's which one is predominant. And alpha brainwaves are like when you're hanging out watching TV and you're just relaxed or you're getting a massage and you're just like, ah. Oh. Beta brainwaves are the, I'm thinking really high level thoughts and I'm trying to have a conversation and I'm thinking about the next thing I'm going to say and, or I'm doing a math problem. So when we're in dreaming, we're in more of the alpha state and then we wake up and we go, oh, here's what I got to do today. And I got to set the alarm and I got to be here by this time or mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe on a Zoom meeting at this time in, in quarantine now. Yeah, but, more Zoom meetings than anything. <laughs> exactly. And so when we shift out of that alpha brainwave state, we are losing access to that dreaming state, that, that part of the brain where that dream was created. So if we can just, when you wake up, just kind of stop and, and pay attention to what am I feeling? What am I noticing? And see if you can get back into that alpha brainwave state. Now, interestingly, I've had a lot of massage therapists tell me that as soon as people lay on the table, what do they do? They relax, they get into that alpha state, they start remembering their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two things. Now, a third thing is that some people are just more predisposed to remembering dreams than others. In general, this tends to be the type of personality that's creative, intuitive, artistic, you know, that kind of more right-brained person tends to be more prone to remembering more dreams. People who are more left brain, logical, you know, back to that color metaphor, people who see things as it's either black or it's white and there's nothing in between. It's either right or it's wrong and there's no maybe versus the right brained person I'm talking about has what's called thinner boundaries too. And that type of person will, will be more likely to say, well, no, it's not just black or white. It's, it's red and blue and pink and yellow and green and all these other colors too. And, and it's not yes or no. There's a lot of in between. And so people that are like that have what are called thinner boundaries, which means, hey, they're open to more intuitive information. They are more likely to have psychic and intuitive experiences. And they're more likely to have um, maybe be an empath for one, like pick up on other people's thoughts and feelings, but also have trouble with boundaries, trouble saying no, and trouble, you know, putting a demarcation line of no, here's where I draw the line. So we all have something to learn from each other and, and finding a little balance is part of the key. But that is, so some of it can be personality type of whether or not we're predisposed to remembering more dreams. Oh, okay. So what I'm wondering is um, whether maybe the, the environment has an effect on whether or not we're dreaming or remembering the dreams or what kind of dreams we're having. Like what I notice a lot in my work is that people have completely crowded and cluttered bedrooms. The bedroom is basically the dumping ground for everything they don't want to show in their nicely presenting living room. And I'm just wondering whether that could maybe also have an effect on the quality of dream. And I mean, it definitely has an effect on the quality of sleep. That's what I think. But the dreams maybe too, and also whether or not they remember it afterwards. Well, I think that will absolutely have an effect on the quality and content of our dreams. Whether or not it affects whether we remember it, I think might be more subject to things like sleep schedule and disruptions to sleep patterns and things like that. In fact, it's interesting that you brought up this subject because what dream researchers are finding right now with people in quarantine all over the world 
is that people are remembering their dreams more than ever. And there's a lot of attention on dreams right now. There have been articles in the New York Times, LA Times, National Geographic, all these publications that normally wouldn't really care about dreams are writing about them. And one of the philosophies is, or theories of why this is happening is because people to wake up naturally, we're also more likely to remember a dream. Remembering dreams, if we're getting more sleep, speaking of environment and effect on dreams, if we're getting more sleep, that can allow us to remember more dreams because we're not having to rush up and jerk it ourselves into that beta brainwave state. And also the stress of this pandemic is has increased the negative dream content by about 15%, according to the surveys that have been done on this around the world. And so if somebody has a clutter problem, or let's say they're trying to hide it, like you were giving in the example, oh, my living room is a showroom, but don't come in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that that person is going to have dreams about hiding, either hiding themselves or hiding things from other people, maybe a lot of topics around shame, how whatever is creating that dynamic to cause that type of behavior is going to show up in their dreams in terms of the story and the content. Yeah, I can totally see that. It, that's like clutter has a lot to do with shame anyways. Um, and, and with grief and so, and this hiding and, and not wanting to show um, <clears throat> the real, the real me or the real, uh, person uh, and but also what I find is um, because you talked earlier about boundaries too I find we're we're doing like we we don't want other people to see our clutter but we expose ourselves to the clutter so extreme without even noticing what bad effect it has on us like clutter creates stress there's enough scientific proof for it so and then I just find it so interesting that on top of it, the, the, a lot of people put that clutter in their bedroom, consciously or unconsciously, in their bedroom where they're trying to relax while they're getting stressed out by all this clutter. It's, um, it's fascinating. Like I could just research that all day. <laughs> so really uh, yeah, yeah. And the image that comes to my mind when I hear you talking about that is if I were that a person in that situation, it feels like even though from the outside, it appears like my bedroom is this big, massive clutter that you can barely walk through. I wonder if it almost feels like this is the only safe space I have to let mm -hmm. it all hang out. And I can't let anybody else in this because it's not safe. There's mm -hmm. something about vulnerability that, feels like it comes up in there too and I'm, I'm pretty sure it doesn't hoarding or clutter like that also have to do with trauma yes yeah. and, and that's actually a good point because a lot of people who have clutter or even go to the extreme of being a hoarder that's what they're doing they're protecting themselves from the big bad world by amassing all these things around them almost like another layer like we have the skin and then and then they almost need like another layer so that nobody can come too close so that's a good point why they put that in a bedroom I never even thought of it that way so thanks for that insight no <laughs> and I'm not an expert in it but I am also fascinated by people and the way you describe that also just sounds exactly like how they describe when people put on a lot of weight. And in fact, yes. this is a very common thing with empaths, empathic people who are so sensitive and feel so much of other people's energies and have often had their own boundaries extremely violated. There's often a, um, a connection to a narcissistic relationship. So empaths are often formed or, or enhanced their empathic abilities are enhanced when they're maybe raised by a narcissist parent or something like that and so one of the ways that some empaths try to protect themselves at least subconsciously is by adding weight because it does feel like a protective layer and that's true for sexual abuse as well yeah i heard that one too or for women especially when they yeah. gain a, have a lot of weight around their hips and their belly that's also a lot of um, protection um, mechanism 
Right. And, and to be fair, it's not maybe not the case for everyone, but in a, a no. lot of cases it can be. And it just sounded like that metaphor you were talking about, that protective yeah. layer. <clears throat> yeah. So if people have good reasons for doing these things. And I think it's very important to acknowledge and thank the part of themselves. See, I'm very fascinated with what's called parts work. And the idea is that all of us have many different parts. Maybe somebody who wants to quit smoking, well, part of them wants to quit smoking, but another part of them really enjoys the breaks they get when they go and have a cigarette. And so, yeah. or maybe part of, part of somebody wants to lose weight, but another part of them really enjoys eating. Part of me wants to buy a car and part of me doesn't want to spend the money. So um, there is a part of them that, found this way to protect themselves and I think it's very very important to acknowledge and thank that part for the job it has done in protecting them yes because yes. if we just try to steamroll over it and say that part is bad and we need to get rid of it that brings up nothing but a wall of fear and defense in that no 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 this is what has saved my life so we have to acknowledge the good that has come from what seems like a behavior or pattern that we might not want in our life, but, but there's a reason for it. And so by thanking it and acknowledging it and then asking that part, do you want a new job? Then mm -hmm. that same part can have a new role that helps us. Maybe the new role of protection is helping me get just a little bit more organized so that I can walk through my bedroom floor without tripping over something. Yes. <laughs> That's another form of self-protection. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So one thing, like, like I said, when I went through my training, we learned that clutter has a lot to do with grief and you can't just tell these people to let, to let these things go or to just, well, just throw it out. I mean, if it would be that easy, they probably would have done it themselves. Right. So when I work with clients, I never tell them to get rid of anything. Like this is not my decision. It's always theirs. And sometimes they need to hang on to it longer, but the process starts by figuring out why do I need to hang on to it? And, and I think that's where we're remaking just as much progress than by letting it go. The letting it go in the end might just be when they when they figured it all out and when they already made the big step then they can let it go so yeah i totally I agree to that these parts of us try to protect us they make sure that we're okay and um we can't just um from the outside especially we can't just come and say oh just let this go and just throw this out or whatever it doesn't work that way that's why i don't like these shows where they uh, clear out people's houses and then put them back and say, see, now you have a gorgeous clean house and organized <laughs> and decluttered. It's um, just going to go back to the way it was if the underlying roots yeah. are not addressed. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you said because it, it is my approach with DreamWork as well is it's up to the, the client. It's up to the person whose life it is, what this means or what they want to get rid of. And we're just there to help facilitate them along the way. It yeah. sounds very similar. Yeah, and to just give some input from the outside, because sometimes uh, we don't see certain things because we're too close or it's like in, right in front of our nose. We don't see, what is the saying? We don't see the tree because, the or we don't see the, the forest trees. because of the trees or the trees because of the forest or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but talking about decluttering, you kind of made a comment too that you had a dream that actually <laughs> helped you and inspired you to release more clutter. So I wanted to hear more about that because you were just teasing me with that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to tease you, but yeah, interest maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, that's okay. Yeah. I like to be teased because I'm... I <laughs> Well, and this one was interesting because there was so much to this dream that I, I will save the time of going into it all. But this part of it was just really one little part of it. I was living in this place that I, it was my home. And I, I think I was working on my podcast or just kind of going through some stuff, whatever. And, and Queen Latifah had been my neighbor. And <laughs> there <is laughs> That's way a more fun neighbor. Dream. I know. <laughs> And another friend lived in the same uh, building or complex or whatever it was. And so I'm, I come across these floppy disks. 
And I realized, oh, these have recordings of dreams on them for my podcast, because they actually do have a lot of recordings that I've been gathering for years for the podcast that I now do. I was collecting them long before I ever started the podcast because I knew it would be something I would be doing. And so in the dream, here's all these floppy disks. There's stacks of them with rubber bands around them. And I go, oh, okay, well, hmm, I wonder if I should get rid of these. Because, you know, well, no, actually, I have this computer that will still read floppy disks. I don't in waking life. But in the dream, <laughs> I had this computer that could still read floppy disks. And I thought, well, I think they're on the computer. So maybe I don't need these. I don't know. And, and that was, again, one little tiny part of a much bigger in-depth dream. And when I woke up the next day, the dream kind of amused me as they often do. But then, and I, I could see an application to a bigger story in my life about that had to do with a lot of the overarching theme of the dream. But, but then I went, what floppy disk? Why on earth would I? I don't know how old your listeners are, but if they're young enough, they might not even know what a floppy disk yeah, is. Yeah, I was just thinking I might have to put a link to some explanation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before we had flash drives and backup yeah. hard drives, we had good old these square little disks that would go in the computer. And I only ever remember saving Word documents. I never had did audio recordings back then. So I don't even I don't think we could do that back then, audio recordings yeah. on the floppy disk. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So I did with myself what I would do with a client, which is what I often do with my own dreams. I said, well, what is a floppy disk? Like if I came from another planet and I had no idea what a floppy disk is, how would you describe it? Mm -hmm. And so I answered myself <laughs> by saying, well, it's a really outdated form of storing information. Mm -hmm. And then I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a big four drawer filing cabinet that I keep everything from, you know, um, bills and stuff to uh, dreams and um you name it, it's stuff people keep in filing cabinets, but that is full. And so in my closet, I had folders and folders and folders of all the stuff that was overflowing that wouldn't fit in my filing cabinet. Now, maybe somebody might get another filing cabinet. And I used to have another one and it had wheels and it broke and I got rid of it. And I am also actually very big on decluttering. And one time when I was between places, living situations, I rented a room. So most of my stuff was in storage and I rented this room and all I had was a bed, my computer and my very favorite clothes. I didn't even have all my clothes, but just my very favorite ones. And I tell you, I felt so free. I felt like I could focus on my work more, on my writing, on all the things I wanted to do. And I just it really hit home on a, an experiential level, how much all the things around us pull on our energy, you yeah. know, this thing from my past and this thing I don't like. And, and so that really taught me, like, you don't need most of your stuff. There's that 80, 20 rule you use. 20% of your things, 80% of the time. Yeah. And so after that, I really, I mean, even before that, I was on a decluttering binge, but that dream, and this was just, you know, a few months ago, actually, it got me to open up my closet and pull out all those files. And they weren't necessarily just the dreams because those, I, I know I will shred some of those at some point because I have <laughs> dreams that have been emailed to me over the years and I would print them out and sort them into categories and look at, you know, here's mm -hmm. dreams about being naked. Here's dreams about whatever. And, but really I had other folders of things that I just didn't need anymore. And so I pulled all of those out and I, I had like four grocery bags of things to shred and it just felt so good to just let go of them. And so there's an example of how a dream about floppy disks <laughs> that was even, like I said, one tiny part of a dream. It wasn't the whole thing, yeah. but it really inspired me because I described floppy disks as an outdated storage method. And I went really a lot of the stuff in my files in the closet are just outdated and I don't need them. And boom, I let them go. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's also kind of a good um, ending point because I could talk with you for hours. But I, <laughs> so one of my mottos is a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away. And I'm hoping that my listeners declutter a little bit while they're listening to my podcast. But if I make them <laughs> hours and hours and hours long, then um, I'm kind of defeating the purpose. No, so... <laughs> Well, and just remember, they can do a dream incubation on anything. And the one thing I forgot to mention with that is that if, if your dreaming mind says, you know what, your clutter is important, but this relationship thing is much more important right now, your dreaming mind is going to give you a dream about that relationship or whatever else it is that's more important because it knows what the real priorities are. But then you just ask again another night, or if you don't remember a dream that night, you just ask again yeah. and ask again. And it's like, building a muscle at the gym, the more you do it, the easier it gets. So they yeah. can do that about anything in life. That's what I always say. Decluttering is also building a muscle. You start with something that isn't very emotionally charged. And we, you start with easy things. You start with short little sessions. And then you're building your decluttering muscle up to um, become more, more an expert in it, kind of, or like just more efficient in it too. Right. So tell me all or me and my listeners, where can they find you? Do you have websites, social media platforms, um, whatever yes. else you want to okay. promote? Just gang ho promote yourself. Where can we <laughs> oh, find you? you? All right. So you can find Huh? It's so fascinating. So maybe oh. other people are fascinated too and want to find you. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Well, my website has links for everything. And my website is The Dream Detective. So you got to have the, the in there because people tend to forget that for some reason. So mm -hmm. thedreamdetective.com. There is a podcast page where you can listen to my podcast directly. And some of the episodes are all about dreams. In fact, I just did well, I'm still editing, but I have the first of three episodes already released on um, pandemic dreams, like how this pandemic is affecting our dreams. And I also do interviews with mind, body, spirit, thought leaders like James Redfield, the author of The Celestine Prophecy. I saw that and I was oh, so impressed. Oh, thank you. I read that book many, 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 many years ago in German and then just oh. about two years ago again in English. And I did oh. read some of his other ones too. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, that's a great book. And and we talked about dreams and, and I love the movie too. And, and the book and movie mentioned dreams. They really, you know, he really incorporated that as part of it. So I interviewed him and um, like Judith, Dr. Judith Orloff, who is a specialist in helping empaths deal with their sensitivity. So all kinds of interviews. And then again, certain episodes dedicated just to dreams. And you mentioned my Oracle card deck. There is a link on the homepage to my Etsy shop for that. And again, it's vintage artwork with just little inspirational sayings. You can pull a card or a couple of cards a day and just kind of say, what's my little message for today? And, and it's meant to help us get back on our true paths, which is the other thing that dreams really do is they are always guiding us to live our most authentic life. They will not show us how to get the job that makes the most money. They're going to tell us my soul really wants to play music. So you better do that or we're going to keep knocking at the door and showing <laughs> you dreams about animals that are trapped or babies you forgot about <laughs> oh, okay. and things like that. So yeah. yeah, the podcast, the card deck, and like I said earlier, I offer private sessions um, remotely to people all over the world and my Instagram and Facebook page are both under the dream detective. And those are the social media that I'm most active on. And, Oh, and I did mention, I have my dream group on Facebook and people can join that through my Patreon membership page. Awesome. And I also have a Facebook group that's free for intuition and inner guidance. So it's called the intuition and inner guidance support group. And there's again, a link. If you look on the homepage, there's links to all of those right near the top of the page. Okay. And I will put uh, links into the show notes too. So people can go directly, but I'm sure I was on your website. I know how, and I figured out a lot and found a lot about you on there. So I know that they will find you. Oh, and uh, it was really awesome to have you on the podcast. Like I said, I could talk with you for hours. So maybe one day in the future, we can make a part two. <laughs> to oh, I this. Who that. knows? 
because I'm thinking like the um, I, I'm I like to connect things that um, norm, normal in 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 quotes uh, normal people don't necessarily connect, but I do feel like um, dreams and surroundings and clutter have a connection, and um, so I'm sure we can talk another. <laughs> we're or two about that in the I future. I would love sometime. to. Yeah, it might be interesting to start asking some of your clients if they remember any dreams. Yeah, yeah. And then see if there's, I'm sure there would be patterns. I have not heard of any studies on, you know, dreams of people who want to reduce clutter, but, <laughs> but I would, I would be sure there would, I'm sure some themes would show up. Well, there's a lot of studies now going on around clutter in the last few years. So I'm thinking they might come to that point eventually. So who knows? Yes, yes. No, so it was really nice to have you on a podcast, Mimi. Thanks so much for your time and all the insights and everything. And uh, yeah, I wish you a wonderful rest of the day. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was my conversation with Mimi Pettibone, the dream detective. Are you like me and you're paying more attention to your dreams now? I'd love it if you would let me know when you have dreams around clutter. That would really interest me. <laughs> you can just hit me a private message on Facebook or Instagram, or you send me an email to Connie at ConnieGraph.com. I would really be interested. As always, you find all the links of the things we were talking about in the show notes. And the show notes you find at conigraph.com forward slash podcast forward slash 18. That is conigraph, C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F dot com forward slash podcast forward slash 18. Thank you for joining me on this episode and listening all the way to the end. If you found value in what Mimi and I were talking about, please share it with your friends and family. If you found value in it, they will too. Thank you and have a beautiful and amazing week. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Take good care and be safe.